0: Welcome to this interview from the Arctic Frontiers Conference 2013. At the conference in January, we spoke with attendees, speakers, and members of the Young Scientists Forum about their work, their hopes, and their concerns for the future of the Arctic. This series is a joint effort of the Arctic Frontiers Conference, the Geopolitics in the High North Program, and the Arctic Institute. I'm Tom Fries. In this interview, I spoke with Professor David Fluherty. He is an associate professor at the School of Marine and Environmental Affairs at the beautiful University of Washington in Seattle. Before we begin, I'd also like to thank the band Loess for permitting us to use the music that you'll hear at the beginning and end of each podcast. Hi there, Professor Floridi, and thanks for taking a few minutes to talk with me today. I'd like to ask you to start by telling us a little bit about your current research and any plans that you might have for the near term future.
1: Well, my current is, is kind of mostly for, for myself. I'm, I'm a basically a consumer of the natural science and, the, and physics of, of, of the world, but in this case, the Arctic in particular. And my main interest is is really in in linking that information with the management processes and trying to understand how to how to better um, ensure that we have good management in the future. Um, the my prime area of, of interest is in what I would call ecosystem-based management, and in this case, uh, particularly right now, is is looking at fisheries because it's a very concrete area of of, of uh, both science and research, and if you solve a lot of the issues that are related to fisheries, you've solved a lot of the concerns that many people have about about the the ecosystem in general. So I see that as a a, a very useful way to get in inside of the um, thinking. So my 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 main interests have been uh, in in the focus on uh, the Bering Sea and. Um, Alaskan fishery management, but much of what I do applies uh, in in other other parts of the world as well.
0: Before you took on your current role at the University of Washington, were there any unusual or surprising steps that you took in your career?
1: Well, I mean I mean I started off in forestry with the idea that I was going to get into um, marine or get into terrestrial land resource management and protection. And along came the law of the sea, and along came uh, opportunities to um, go abroad, look at the Baltic and and other other regions, and so I, I, I shifted. I mean, it was a, a major a major shift for me f- to move from what I th- had thought my original um, plan would be to to the. Uh, um, to the marine area and so this has also been a little bit of a subtext in terms of ecosystem-based management as a research area is is a lot of what's happening in terrestrial areas is in, in this regard has happened earlier and so some of the ideas and some of the understandings that we've attained there can be translated into the marine side but the marine system is, you know, if you think of land as, as more two-dimensional, two uh, when you look at, at the oceans, it's at least three and, and maybe four or five dimensions that are dynamically engaged. So it's, it's a, they're much different systems, but I find that fascinating to, to be thinking of them in, in those terms.
0: As you're doing your research, how do you think your work is contributing to a better future for the Arctic, whatever that might mean to you?
1: Well, I guess, I guess I would say that I'm, I'm really doing this for the next generation. Uh, the students that I have now and the students with whom I'm working, uh, I see as the people who are going to be inheriting the problems that my generation has not been able to uh, solve and uh, to do my best to prepare them for for their future and to to be effective in in the future, so that it's not mm-hmm. things. It seems to me like the information, our understandings are are changing so quickly. What are the things that they can fall back on and 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 rely on as as a, as kind of a backbone uh, versus what? How 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 do they have to be nimble and on their feet to to pick up on new new trends and and to to think in new terms about this, and it's, it's really exciting because students are very quickly able to move ahead of wherever I am, and you know it, it feels really good to be left behind.
0: <laughs> Since you're focused on ecosystem-based management, I would imagine that part of that is having some measure of understanding of all of these different moving parts. As you observe all of these different areas, what do you think is still missing from the conversation about Arctic science and Arctic policy?
1: Well, without... I mean, I, I keep worrying in the, in, in, the, in the deepest sense that that this change is going to be more abrupt than, than we can imagine. And I just heard a talk last week at uh, at the PMEL in in Washington, where the certain of the people that analyzed <coughs> trends in in ice um, are predicting we could be down to a million um, square kilometers of ice by t- the middle by 2020. So I mean, much much faster than than we've ever. Done and and then what comes from that? You know what happens if if, if uh, the clathrates or the the methane gas releases happen much more rapidly as a result of warming than this? I mean these these are these are things that are just the unthinkable, but could be could be what what's coming up. We 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 tend to think of global climate change happening in in sort of a over a long period of time and and. Um, and fairly gradually, uh, but um, I'm, I'm beca- becoming less and less confident that that's, that's the model that, that's going to work. And so how do you, you know, how, do you, how do you get around that? And so in terms of what's really missing, even in that dialogue, is helping society look at what it really wants, what's the legacy that it wants to have, and to what extent can can it control that legacy under these these new conditions? We un- we we really haven't invested in understanding ourselves mm-hmm. in terms of what is it that that motivates us? Why? What what do we really want? And e- or, or how do we behave under conditions of of forced adaptation? And you know I you know the, the in in a sense, we can say, well, we must be pretty darn adaptable because we're constantly doing that. We're we're doing this, and so, so, you know, you you kind of reach this point where you say, it's going to happen anyway. Um, what, how, how do you help society understand it? Uh, but we're talking, you know, mostly here at this conference, at the world that is, is. Um, has the funds? Has the technology? Has the 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 opportunity to actually take the the unpleasant parts off and and keep the pleasant parts? Whereas you go to other parts of the world where where extreme heat, extreme drought, extreme all these extremes are happening, and they are very little prepared and will suffer greatly. I mean, there's there's um, I mean, I just can't believe the temperatures that I've been seeing from Middle East, you know. I mean, I didn't even know people could live at 122 degrees.
0: Is this your first Arctic Frontiers, or have you been here before?
1: I was here, uh, I think it was three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting to see how the dialogue has has, has been, been shifting. I mean, there, um, it was really about potential fisheries. And, and here, fisheries, even though it dominates the fisheries and, and marine productivity is the theme, um, and so the shipping and, and uh, tourism and um, uh, e- energy are, are really the things that are driving what's going in, in the Arctic today. I mean, I think Harold Leong's talk today basically said, you know, don't expect to see a big new fishery occurring in, in, the, in the Arctic Sea. It just isn't, you know, it's not within the realm of, of the thinking of the current ecologist and fisheries ecologist, and he's one of these preeminent ones.
0: So you've seen several of these. Um, what do you see as the value of events like Arctic Frontiers?
1: Well, it's, I, I didn't know what to expect. Other than I knew the first time that this was the largest gathering related to um, uh, the Arctic and the you know when when you go online and start looking back and see the presentation seeing the wealth of material that's archived on the site um, it's it's phenomenal I mean it's it's a, it's a teaching resource that, that I know is n- not being exploited um, Several of my colleagues teach a course uh, in the fall on on Arctic, and this this time was focused on Arctic shipping and Arctic energy. And when when they heard that I had been invited to give a talk here, they were all very jealous that they couldn't come. So there's there's a um, a real interest.
0: Thanks for joining us for this interview. You can hear others from this series on iTunes or via our websites, arcticfrontiers.com and thearcticinstitute.org. The music you've heard at the beginning and end of this interview is from Loess from their album Wind and Water. You can hear more samples of their music or purchase their albums on iTunes. Just search for their name, which is spelled L O E S S.